0: and start shopping at business.walmart.com. That's business.walmart.com. From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams.
1: Um, they don't feel appreciated uh, that their boss isn't a good communicator. They don't manage expectations well. Um, Those are some of the main things. Or um, they aren't consistent with what they say versus what they do.
0: That's Chris Baird talking about the breakdown in communication and some of the reasons why employees want to leave their boss. We'll hear more from Chris on how to engage employees in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors. A strong financial foundation is critical for any healthcare organization. With Allscripts Revenue Cycle Management Services, you get a robust end-to-end revenue cycle solution that improves reimbursement processes and offers access to advanced analytics and reporting. With the right partner by your side, Get on track toward a healthier financial future. Allscripts can help you reduce the cost of care while building a healthier community. Learn more at allscripts.com. It's all about you this fall. Accelerate your path to medical practice leadership. Be empowering. Be influential. Be exceptional. Be a leader. Join us in San Diego October 24th through the 27th at the Medical Practice Excellence Leaders Conference. Or you can join us for our digital experience November 16th through the 18th. Visit mgma.com mpe21 and register today. Our guest today is Chris Baird, president and chief executive officer of the Baird Group. Chris is here today to talk about the true cost of turnover and what can be done to retain your existing staff by keeping them engaged and invested in the organization. Chris, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: It's my pleasure.
0: i um- Well, it is really great to have you again on the show because you have been a guest before and just wanted to catch up with you. hadn't hadn't talked to you since you were on the show the last time. So give our audience an idea, first of all, um, where your focus has been, you know, over these last 18 months or so.
1: Yeah, well, my focus, of course, has always been on helping healthcare organizations with culture. And to achieve that, it's a lot in leadership development. And so one of the nice things about uh, COVID was it afforded me the time to convert a lot of my uh, most popular workshops and um, lectures and things into uh, blended online courses. And so um, that's really where I have spent a lot of time when we had the slowdown during COVID.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, thank you for sharing that with us. And I did want to just take one more step back and just so our audience knows a little bit more about you, I know you said culture is at the forefront of what you're working on, but what is your background in healthcare? Uh, what, what's your training and uh, how you got to where you are today?
1: yeah my background. I started as a registered nurse, and what we always say is once a nurse always a nurse, <laughs> it never yeah. leaves you um, but i I was in nursing for many years at the bedside and working in public health and a nurse triage line were some of the clinical areas that I served in, and um also went into marketing and business development for healthcare. And that kind of opened the door for me to listen to the voice of the consumer and be more responsive in terms of patient experience and and culture and engagement. And so those things have all melded together uh, to build the career that I'm in now, which is in consulting for healthcare organizations to be more um, balanced in terms of having a culture where people don't want to leave, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's your patients, your providers, or um, your employees, you want to have that sense of loyalty. So that's really been, you know, the heart and soul of what I've been doing for the last 20 plus years.
0: Mm-hmm. We're going to get more into that, um, trying to build a culture where people don't want to leave it uh, more in this episode. But I did want to talk to you about that patient experience. So you said that's been front and center for you for more than 20 years. How has that changed? What do, what do you hear from patients? What did you hear about hear from patients in 1999 or 2000? that, you know, may have evolved some, or is it the same than what you're hearing in 2021?
1: I think a lot of it is healthcare finally opened their ears to the voice of the, the patient more. Um, you know, in the, in the 90s, when I started this work, and I wrote a book, Customer Service in Healthcare, A Grassroots Approach, and there were so many times where I had providers or executives look at me like, "Oh, isn't that sweet? She wants to to think about customer service," and um, it was very condescending, very patronizing. Like, you know, this really, you know, people come to us because we're experts. They come to us because, you know, of our reputation and our technology. And um, there wasn't a lot of respect. For patient experience. And so as time evolved and there was more in the public domain about patient satisfaction and publicly reporting satisfaction scores, people came along because they had to come along. And now it is much more mainstream than it had been in the past. And the beauty of it is, um, even though it's mandatory, people started to really connect back to how does this pertain to our values? How does this pertain to our mission? You know, and, and becoming more of what they say they are.
0: Mhm. Okay, well, thanks for sharing that. I mean, it just, we have been through a lot as I'll just call it consumers. You know, con- consumers are also, they are the patients. So um, when you look at it that way, I do have one more question on that. It, it, has the technology driven, any change in your eyes as far as people wanting a uh, different type of engagement different type of access uh through technology because i'm thinking if you've been at this for more than 20 years the technology has changed so how has the consumer expectation changed along with that
1: oh and and that's a great question definitely consumer expectations have changed with technology and there you know people look at it as a kind of a double-edged sword that you know social media is one element of the technology but we know that like 90 percent of consumers are going to be looking up reviews before they select a provider, a provider organization. And so that's one piece. And so now they're able to have a much broader audience. When we used to say word of mouth, mm-hmm. it was, okay, I run into you at the soccer game and we talk, or I, I, you know, we chit chat over the water cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it was face to face, but now word of mouth, it, it, it's word of mouth. You know with the click of a button <laughs> yeah. um, you you can make your opinion known to millions of people, and that can be a positive or a negative, depending on your reputation but that is one aspect. Then, of course, telehealth has has been booming in this last 18 months. Um, you know, the necessity is the mother of invention, and so with the pandemic, we were forced to move more into telehealth than ever before. Online scheduling, you know, things where people can, you know, maximize the use of the portal to stay connected with their provider. So there is endless. Um, possibilities when it comes to how technology has impacted. But one thing that continues to es- elevate is consumer expectations. Mm-hmm. So the more we have with technology, consumers expect, um, they expect high quality, they expect responsiveness, um, and some are delivering and some are not.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I wanna go back to what you were talking about earlier and that really having that culture in place. So I wanna discuss next a session that you're gonna have at the upcoming MGMA's Leaders Conference. That's gonna be in San Diego in October. And uh, your session title, I love this. It's Be the Leader, Nobody Wants to Leave. Um, Give us an idea about that session. What were you getting at? Are you always that creative with the titles? I love that title. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, thank you for that. Um, No, I I got into this because I was watching the numbers, um, even this was like two years ago when I started my research about the impact of turnover in healthcare. Mm -hmm. And so I had been doing research on why the the level of turnover, what we can do to curb turnover, and... um, and I started to look at that and think, okay, people leave their bosses, not their organizations, mm-hmm. most often. And so as I delved into that research and realized that it, it is a leadership thing, um, yeah. two themes emerge from the research. It's leadership and culture that cause people to leave. And so as I delved into it to look at why are people leaving and what are some of the assumptions that leaders make um, that are keeping them stuck in old habits and what do they need to change in order to be that leader nobody wants to leave. And so really that is the essence of what I'm going to be talking about at my session um, at the MGMA conference.
0: hmm If you think about it, just from an elevator speech perspective, what's like one takeaway? Like if you were trying to sell me to attend that session, what would you tell me? What could I learn there and and walk out of there and put in place uh, in my practice?
1: Yeah, I'm going to be pointing out four of the most common assumptions people have about why their employees leave and then working to debunk those and giving some real hands on tools that they can implement now that are no cost low cost um approaches that are very leadership centric um and it, it's not going to have anything to do with elevating salaries it's going to be more about an unrelenting focus on your employees as individuals
0: mm-hmm. okay um I don't want to lead with a negative per se, but I do want to, I just, I'm really curious about this. You say that people leave their boss, not their companies per se, but mm-hmm. what are some of the reasons why? Why would an individual leave their boss? What, what are those main reasons why they leave them?
1: Um, they don't feel appreciated uh, that their boss isn't a good communicator They don't manage expectations well. Um, Those are some of the main things Mm -hmm. or um, they aren't consistent with what they say versus what they do. Mm -hmm. So, There there are a lot of trust issues um, that can be magnified. And a lot of them, you know, I don't think any leader goes into work in the morning saying, you know, I think I'm going to tick some people off today. You know, (laughs) I think that that's going to be my ultimate goal. Um, No, it's not that way at all. They want to be good managers. And the truth is people are promoted into management from the trenches and, They don't have the skill set to be the leader. They may have great potential, but honestly, Daniel, I, I was a staff nurse one day and the director the next day. And when I looked for support on, oh, how do I learn how to do this? One of the first things they taught me was about how to manage the budget and how to schedule. Um, those are those are very tactical things that we mm-hmm. do need to be good at, but nobody talked to me about, let's talk about leadership. Let's talk about what it is to be a good leader, to be a good communicator, to be trustworthy. What are the things that you need to focus on? And um, I'm not alone in that. Um, I would say the vast majority of leaders I talk to tell me the same story. I was promoted from within. You know, I worked in the billing office, and they made me the the head of the department. Well, all of a sudden, you're leading 20 people, and you had no training in how
0: to be a leader. Mm-hmm. You you're so right with that, and I I fall back often when I think about good organizations, I think, of sports, and we see it so often where there's this incredible X's and O's coordinator, uh, you know, just the the latest flavor, there's somebody who's brilliant with the X's and O's, and they say, well, this person needs to be the head coach, and quite often, those are, as you said, uh, those are two very different skill sets. You may be great in the trenches, you may be great in getting this particular aspect of it done, but it may be a quite different skill set that's needed to be the head coach or the director of this department. And so I'll get outside. I mean you're you're from Wisconsin. I don't are you a cheese head or do you follow the Packers at all? Course, or do you care? Of <laughs> course, of course, of course.
1: But I'm glad you brought up coaching because You know, that's the thing that a lot of people in leadership, and I'm going to meld management into leadership, okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But they don't realize that one of the the most important things that they must be able to do is to coach. Mm -hmm. You know, and do they even know what a good coach does and what a good coaching relationship is? You know, um, oftentimes people they would like to be a good coach, but coaches are made, they're not born, Mm -hmm. right? They have whole degrees in coaching, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and when people get into management, they really don't know how to be a good coach. And that's what I love about this work is helping leaders to be better coaches, you know, helping them to understand, yeah, you need to be a good manager too, but in order to lead people, you must be able to um have emotional intelligence, you must be a good coach, that means being a good communicator, and all of those things roll up into be to being relentlessly focused on people as individuals. Mm-hmm. And um that's you know, that's the essence of coaching. You gotta move the team, but the team is made of individual players with strengths and
0: weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you transfer that line of thinking to the healthcare world, you know this, you lived it as a nurse, you've lived it uh, in consulting with practices as well. We are facing, and not just the pandemic out there with COVID-19 and the Delta variant, but also an epidemic of burnout in healthcare. So if you are struggling so much as the leader to uh, deal with The stress of burnout deal with the stress of seeing the staff faced with burnout. How do you, how do you balance things and how do you drive them toward, uh, you know, reaching their goals, but also in lifting them up having that emotional intelligence coaching them. I guess what I'm saying is, is it simply processes and procedures and planning or what what do you do what is the secret sauce to be able to juggle all of these things successfully you know that's
1: that's interesting and we all have our own approach right Mm -hmm. and I always say we have to be able to speak three languages and that is head heart and wallet right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When we're leading, if you if you come out to people and say, here, we got to talk about the bottom line and the numbers, and this is what we're losing, and we got to bring up the volume, and is that engaging the heart? No, mm. it's not, you know, and and you have to, I'm very heart-driven, you know, mm. if, it, if you haven't noticed that in our past conversation, right, right. Uh, I'm very driven by heart, and I believe that in healthcare we gotta work very hard to remember why we're doing what we're doing. You know, that we're making a difference in the lives of those we care for every single day. And so when I, when I talk about culture, I mean, it is the foundation for everything else that happens. So if you have a culture that is very people focused, you're going to know that, or the leaders have got to pay attention to where are the signs that somebody is weakening, that they're burning out, that, you know, they need a little bit of support, you know, what are we doing to teach each other how to support one another? Um, You know, and and you have to have a culture that values that. Mm -hmm. If, If you're a culture that stems from just the wallet Um, you're going to have problems engaging the heart if that's all you ever talk about. But if you come from it, like, this is who we are, this is what we stand for. And this is how we stay true to that mission, vision, and values. You know, you're going to work to align those things. And these are tough times. Mm -hmm. I mean, people really are struggling you know, we had hoped, we had seen the light at the end of the tunnel, and then it started to blur again, you know, and, mm-hmm. and people on the front lines are feeling like, oh, not again. You know, we haven't even recovered from the first round. So just being, having that sensitivity, seeing people, you know, being out there among the people, not sitting in your office that you've got to be out among your people and you've got to be talking to them and you've got to be observing and you have to, you know, be somebody that they, they can trust and lean on.
0: Mm-hmm. So you're heart focused. I'm heart focused. Um, we have no problem then getting, getting good at the trust falls and those kind of rah-rah things. But then how do you flip that switch? If you're there in that heart focused world How do you flip the switch to turn and focus in on the bottom line? Because at the end of the day, I mean, we're caring for patients at medical practices, but it is a business. And so how do you make sure that the bills are being paid and the lights are on and all that good stuff as well?
1: There have been some phenomenal studies that have been done that show if you focus on the employees and the engagement first, the money will follow. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say that you don't have to do all of the business pieces that must happen, you know, to be, you know, have the efficiencies and productivity and all those things. But when you um, work on employee engagement, there is a direct correlation to the bottom line and and how um, those with higher engagement have higher profits. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can't just do a little you rah, rah. It has to be, it has to be ingrained in the fabric of the organization. And one of the biggest pitfalls that I see when working with medical practices is when you don't have good alignment between um, management, right? You might have practice owners, um, who think one way and then they hire a manager and the manager is trying to build a culture of engagement and they're not in sync. Um, you know, when when there isn't a really tight dyad between the provider and the manager, you start to flounder.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I want to look at a different level of this. So we're talking about engagement and building that culture. On the clinical side, you're probably going to have most of the people are in there in physically in the office so they can see the patients who do come in. But a lot of the back office people were finding that, gosh, they, they don't have to be in the office to be productive, but how do you keep them engaged? How do you keep this culture you keep talking about if we're moving to more of a remote workforce?
1: Yeah, Um, that's been a challenge for everybody, whether it's, you know, fully remote or a hybrid. Um, That is a challenge. And in fact, I've been coaching a couple of practice managers who have a hybrid Um, where some of their office people are completely remote and some are half and half. Um, And really you have to to make sure that you're staying in touch. And Mm -hmm. what does that mean? It might mean using some of your digital tools throughout the day, Um, having little electronic nudges. And I don't mean nudge like, hey, (laughs) get this done. (laughs) I mean, you know, just little touch points where – Um, you're, you're staying connected. So, you know, technology such as Slack, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that might be a tool that they use to, you know, have some sort of a continuity in communication throughout the day. Um, But asking your people, how are you doing? How is this working? You know, with you being at home, what are some of the challenges that you're facing? How can I support you? you know so you're you're staying in touch people you know may like being at home but there's a lot of loneliness there is a mm-hmm. pandemic of loneliness and isolation and and so it's up to the leader again to stay connected to ask questions to um you know find out and find out not only how they're doing but how do you want me to communicate with you? What, what feels right to you? What, what amount of communication feels right to you? Now, some want constant feedback and, Mm -hmm. and that could be done, Ele- with electronic tools. Um, some may want to have a face-to-face conversation once a month and that's just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most places have productivity measures so they can see is the work getting done and what's the quality of the work. They can measure those things. What they're not as easy, easily um, measured is the, the, the relationship. And mm-hmm. so you just have to have those conversations.
0: Mm -hmm. You mentioned something really interesting. You talked about your consulting different practices and helping them design people coming into the office, people working remotely, people having a hybrid situation. How do you design that so that there's not, let's say, resentment or some kind of frustration if, you know, Jim over there gets to work three days a week at home, Bill has to go in three days a week or something, some form like that, where there might be, well, why do, why don't I get to, um, you know, work more at home or, you know, what's Mm -hmm. the situation there? Or maybe uh, I want more FaceTime, but nobody else is in the office. They're working remotely. So how do you balance that where you get, again, I go back to that culture is king that you were talking about. So how do you balance that where you Um, get as many people having those high satisfaction scores.
1: Again, you have to talk with them. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, you
1: have to, some positions absolutely are not going to lend themselves to remote work. There's just no way, you know, if you're an MA, you're seeing patients and you're rooming them.
0: You're not not going to
1: have the option to work from home. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and, and so it's, finding out what would, what makes the most sense for your team, what keeps everybody in balance. And then, you know, working at maintaining a sense of team, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's not going to happen, you know, with one zoom meeting a month, you know, you've got to consciously think through, what am I doing to make sure we're staying connected? And, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast in and of itself.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. It is. Well, I think you (laughs) covered that side of it. So let's look at it where it works then. Do you have a real life example, a practice that you've worked with where they have developed this type of engagement, a type of culture where the leadership is strong, the staff retention is strong as well?
1: Yeah, I have. Um, you know, I've seen it in both uh, some of the large practices and, and then some of the, the you know, sole practitioner or, you know, three, four practitioners where it's worked really well. Yeah, I have great examples. And it starts at the top. It mm-hmm. starts with having a vision in the very beginning of this is what I want to create right and when we go into organizations and do culture assessments i would say 99.9 percent of them don't even have a vision for what they want that culture to be you know they have business plans they might have a strategic plan they might have a marketing plan but what's the plan for the culture and most just kind of wing it and they don't stop and think this is what we want to be and what does that mean for me as a leader? So who do I have to be as a leader in order to help achieve that culture that I've, I've, you know, imagined? And so you kind of walk backwards into what has to happen in order to build this. And so one of the doctors I'm thinking of that went out on his own and, you know, really took a chance. When most, pe- when most practices were being absorbed by bigger systems, um, he made the conscious effort that he wanted to do his own thing. And he's grown this practice um, to where now he has to get a different building. And um, he's got staff that were with him from day one. And he's probably in his, like his 10th year, mm-hmm. um, has brought on a couple more providers, but again, he knew what he wanted to create. He had that vision, and then he made sure that he was surrounding himself with people that could share that vision and could live it every single day.
0: Hmm. Well, that is wonderful. Well, Chris, I, I want to thank you again for stopping by the podcast again and sharing these thoughts with us, and I am looking forward to seeing you in San Diego here in just a couple of few more weeks here, and we'll uh, catch up there.
1: I'm looking forward to it as well. We'll see you then.
0: Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Chris Baird. Also, thanks to Allscripts and to MGMA Leaders Conference for sponsoring this week's show. You can accelerate your path to medical practice leadership by joining us in San Diego, October 24th through the 27th at the Medical Practice Excellence Leaders Conference. Or for our digital experience, November 16th through the 18th, you can visit mgma.com slash MPE21 and register today. And with all Scripps Revenue Cycle Management Services, you get a robust end-to-end revenue cycle solution that improves reimbursement processes and offers access to advanced analytics and reporting. Learn more at allscripts.com. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast.com at MGMA.com, or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe, and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights Podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks. The popular buzzword we've been seeing everywhere is AI. But what we all want to know is how we can implement and use it to our advantage. When it comes to improving margins, accelerating cash flow, and optimizing staff performance, there's a one-stop shop using cloud-based predictive analytics. MGMA Analytics is your AI-enabled tool that upscales technology you've already been paying for. So you can silo your disparate systems and make data-backed business decisions. Visit mgma.com/analytics and see how AI can revolutionize your finances in operations. Again, visit mgma.com slash analytics today.